Fisa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities, whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, our favorite shops. Local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name. They're always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, and it's an official partner of the NFL. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hello, welcome back. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. It's another episode of 1% Better. And we've got actually a Colts win to talk about. Second in a row, Colts win, what was it, Zach, 36 to 7? Correct. I uh, lost track. <laughs> right. Over the New York Jets. And uh, wow, that was that was different. That was certainly different. I want to say, we'll get to a few things here. Certainly, we'll talk about the defense. We'll talk about Phillip Rivers, who hit a couple milestones. Uh, we'll we'll look ahead a little bit, maybe, too, uh, although we'll do that later in the week. But I just want to take a moment here because I think this game was one of those that kind of turned into a yawner, so we don't have to go into, like, yeah, you know, painstaking detail. But one thing <clears throat> that I came away from this with, and tell me if you agree, is this is all, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. Okay, against a miserable football team. Miserable. The Jets are a miserable football team. Are They are the worst football team I have seen in a long time. Yeah. They're bad. Yeah. They are so bad. But this is what you're supposed to do. And the Colts, sometimes it just feels like, I know the, the fans always feel like it's just their team. But it is a danger in the NFL, right, to play down to your competition and to maybe get lulled into that or overlook them or whatever. And they did not do that. And that's actually the one thing that I took away from this probably more than anything. Yeah. And and look, I mean, what are you supposed to do? And I'm getting a little bit of blowback this morning. Like, ah, they just beat the, the Vikings who were 0-3 and, and terrible. Ah, right. they just beat the Jets who were obviously terrible. They're 0-3 and they'll probably be 1-15 and or 0-16 by the time this is all done. But what do you want from the Colts? They've absolutely beat the hell out of two teams in back-to-back weeks and, and, you know, hit some pretty big milestones in the process, and we can get into that. But, look, I mean, you play the team in front of you. We'll see how they do this week against the Bears, who are 3-0 and and probably not that good, but um, should be a tougher test than the Vikings and the Jets for sure. But, I mean, I don't think the Colts played lights out yesterday. And they, you know, they won by 29, and it was never really close, and it was – um, you know, the defense is the defense is rolling and they're not playing the greatest quarterbacks in the world, but they made Darnold look terrible yesterday. And, you know, they like they said, they they took care of business and, and like I mentioned on Twitter, I think yesterday, like, look, it's great that they got the win, it's great that they blew him out, but the big win is they didn't lose anybody to injury this week. That's the first time they've been able to say that this season. Yeah, and that is no small thing, especially in a game where it felt like there was a Jets player hurt on every player, yeah. on every play in that game. I mean, they had some significant injuries, at least to significant players. I don't know the extents, but, uh, you know, you lose your left tackle in the game. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a killer, right? So, yeah, the, the Jets are in a bad place. But I actually think it's it's interesting watching that Jets team yesterday. 
it should as a Colts fan. Look, we will nitpick in a minute here, okay? We will do that. Yeah. <laughs> but it should give you some appreciation. And this is not me being like a cheerleader. I'm just stating facts here. It should give you some appreciation for uh for 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 building a football team in the way the Colts have done it. Look, they're not there yet, okay? We don't know what they are and we'll see. But we know that they have trended in the right direction here over the last few years. And the Jets, let's go back, Zach, to that 2018 trade, okay? Both sides walked away, blockbuster trade. Both sides walked away feeling like they got what they wanted out of that. Correct. Colts got Quentin Nelson and a haul of picks. The Jets got Sam Darnold, their quarterback, the one that they have been waiting for for many years, right? And so now here we are three years later, well, three seasons later, and one team has made no progress. <laughs> and Mac, in fact, has probably regressed, you could argue. And the other team is on its way. They feel like they're a playoff team. We'll see, right? But they certainly have a lot of talent. This is a very viable team this year, and the schedule will dictate the rest of it. But it does, it should, as a close fan, it should give you some appreciation of the way your football team is being led. I mean, because the results are not just on the record, but just the trajectory of the team. I think that's such an amazing contrast right here. Two points on that. I'm glad you brought it up. And I don't know if this is out there, but this will be some info for the 1% better listeners out there. You know, Chris Ballard was courted by some teams before he became the Colts general manager. I think everybody knows that. One of them was the New York Jets. And I don't think Chris believed that he would have the time needed to build the roster the right way. So long story short, he felt that he had that in Indianapolis. That's why he took take the job here. And then secondly, you mentioned the trade. And here's what I want to bring up. What do teams do every year in the draft? They overdraft quarterbacks and they sometimes they panic. And I'm not saying the Jets panicked. and I'm not saying the Jets made a bad move because Darnold could be the guy down the line. They're going to have to get some players around him for us to finally see that. But what did the Colts do? In 18, they were not in a spot where they needed to draft a franchise quarterback. They thought Andrew Luck was going to be here for the long haul. So what did they do? They capitalized on that, and they used it as leverage. And they got not just a Hall of Fame left guard in Quentin Nelson. They got Braden Smith, who's a starter. I think they turned it into Rocky Sin the next year. It might have been Kamoko Ture. I mean, they, they turned it into four potential starters, one of which is, is a multi-pro bowler already. So you and the Jets got a quarterback who may or may not be the guy. I mean, that think about the haul the Colts were able to get for the next five years, six years, ten years. Um, that's using your leverage in the draft, and that's using a team that's desperate to get a quarterback and using that against them in a way. And, I mean, you're seeing it. It's, it's not just Quentin Nelson. I mean, you take Nelson over Darnold any day. The Colts have more than that. So, um, yeah, the Colts are a, a lot farther ahead than the Jets, I guess is the summation of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, and you know what? And you led me to, you lead me to another point. What it says to me is it reinforces that you should never jump the gun with a quarterback. Now, I'm not suggesting they did that, but, but what I am saying is you have to be very judicious about how you go or, or about how you move when you're searching for a quarterback, right? So what I mean by that is, so the Colts this year, they're in a situation where their quarterback retires this past offseason. There was no bigger question, right? What do we do at quarterback? Right. Now, you may or may not love Phillip Rivers, and that's fine, right? Like, Phillip Rivers is not the answer, right? He's the answer right now, but he's not the answer, period. So the temptation is from a lot of fans, and we went round and round with this, right? We heard this all offseason, you and I. 
well, they should trade up. They should do this. They should move heaven and earth. Got to get a quarterback. Nothing else matters. Right. That's all I kept hearing. Nothing else matters. You got to get a quarterback. Well, you do. Yeah. <laughs> Except if you go about it the wrong way, you could end up being the Jets. It's more important now, to get it right than to get it quickly. It's like it's like yes. chasing a story. You'd rather have the right info than have it first and have it be wrong. Perfect example. So the Perfect Colts, example. look, they know, look. Ballard knows this. He knows there's nothing more important on his to-do list than finding the answer at quarterback. It's not Rivers. He's 38. We all know that. Maybe he plays next year. Maybe he doesn't. It might be Jacob Eason. It might not be. We don't know that. But sure. can they win now while they find that guy in the next couple of years? That's really hard to do. Teams have done it. The Chiefs are a good example from a couple of years ago. Alex Smith wasn't the guy that was going to win them a Super Bowl, but they still won the division every year. Then they found Mahomes. Then they moved on. That's going to be difficult, but that's really the predicament they're in. And I think Ballard is judicious enough not to force the quarterback spot because, like he said in January, as, as honestly as he could, if you get it wrong, it sets you back five years. And it's it probably cost him his job. It, 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 in, mo- in most cases, if you yeah. get the quarterback spot wrong, the GM loses his job. We'll see what happens in Chicago this weekend's opponent because it doesn't look like Mitch Trubisky's the guy. <laughs> that is a whole other story. Isn't yeah, it? But that was anyway, a good segue, it, though, right? To week four, right? It really was. There you go. It really was. So, speaking of you know quarterback issues, but you know, I, I just I just feel bad for Sam Darnold to some extent here because I actually think Sam Darnold, and I know this is not a Jets podcast. I have no idea how I got here, but like I just have to say this: I actually think Sam Darnold is like viable. He made a but heck of a touchdown turning this, throw in the first quarter. Yes, course. that I mean, play that, was unbelievable. And he also made some of the dumbest throws you'll see an NFL quarterback make. So it's it's you know yeah he 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 doesn't really have any margin for error as a problem and right. and when you're growing as a quarterback that's really tough. Uh, so like I said, I think he has some viable skills. I actually think with the right coaching and with a, a deep team, this guy is a viable starter. The problem is they're turning him to David Carr. Okay, with yeah. fewer sacks, but they're turning him into David Carr, and they're going to just beat the hell out of him. So, it, you know, not just physically, but also just confidence-wise and mentally. And so I, I worry about that kid. But anyway, uh, I'll, the Colts had a lot to do with that, and that's a good way, I guess, to, to get into the defense. And that was as complete a performance as we've seen in a very long time from this Colts defense. I don't know during my time on this beat, which is now eight seasons. I've not seen many games like that. Uh, What was your biggest takeaway defensively from that game? It's the interceptions. And I know that's obvious, right? The the game turning plays, but you know, I thought we had an interesting chat with TJ Carey. Who's quietly been really good as that sort of reserve corner stepped in for Rocky sin the last couple of weeks. You know, they practice these interceptions. Eberfuss harps on it. He writes ball hawk on the meeting in the reading rooms every week. I mean, it's not just let's get an interception. It's let's take let's take it all the way back. And so you're starting to see that payoff. He makes them run these sprints in practice every day where he makes them finish all the way to the end zone. And I thought it was really interesting hearing Kerry talk about it. Like you can actually practice pick sixes. And so it has, you know, the defensive linemen, they become blockers. I mean, this is what Chris Ballard wanted. If you remember, when they drafted Malik Hooker way back in 17, that was Ballard's first draft pick, Ballard like said, look, it's really important to me to take the ball away. That's what we want to do. That's why we're drafting Malik Hooker. He was this ball hawk out of Ohio State. Injuries have gotten in the way of that. But Malik is still one of those guys that can take the ball away. Now you're seeing everybody on the defense do it. I mean, the last time the Colts had two pick sixes in the same game, they were in Baltimore. It was 1970. 
the last time they had two safeties you know, in back-to-back weeks, 1960. I mean, we're talking a long, long time. The last time they had three interceptions in back-to-back games was 1992. So they're doing some historic stuff. I know they're playing bad quarterbacks, but what are they doing to these bad quarterbacks? They're making them look worse. So the defense has jumped out at me a lot, especially as bad as they looked in week one, get letting Minshew go 19 of 20 for three touchdowns. You know, Eberflus was was pretty ticked off, you know, the day later when we talked to him. He said, look, we're going to fix this. They have. Now I want to see him do it against a real quarterback. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the test. But um, the one thing I would say is that uh, a couple things. Number one, I thought that the two sacks, it felt after watching that game, it felt like, man, it felt like they sacked Darnold like seven times. Yeah. <laughs> the truth is they had him on the run all day, which is just as good because – the pressure leads to those interceptions in many cases, right? I mean, if he has a clean pocket and he and he has no reason to be nervous or hurried, you probably don't throw interceptions. You make better decisions, right? I mean, it's like anything in life, right? This, if the environment around you is better, you tend to think more clearly, right? And so quarterback is no different. And the situation was such that everything was falling apart around him. And Darnold made some really bad decisions, and and the Colts capitalized on that. But that's how it works, you know. Sometimes the front's going to win, sometimes the back's going to win. Um, and I'm talking within your own defense, right? And so this was one of those days where the guys on the back end they got the better of it, they got the better end of the deal, and that's okay. I mean, it doesn't matter how you do it, right? Just do it. So I think this is what it was, and I think it was the greatest example yet of of the philosophy that Matt Eberflus talks about. And that philosophy is as follows. He talks about the rush and the coverage marrying together, right? right? He talks about the synergy between those two elements. This was that. More than we've ever seen, I think, with with this scheme and with this coordinator. That was what this was. And I just think that's a great, great indicator uh, for what could be to come. just because I think that's how you win, right? You can't win with just the front seven or just the, the back uh, secondary. You, you got to have it all work together. And the great defenses in the NFL, it has always worked together. Look, I'm not putting the Colts in some rare air here necessarily. They got to earn that right. against against the best competition. But go back and let's talk about some of the better defenses, right? We've seen in recent years. We've seen the Legion of Boom, right? And everybody talked about what they had on the back end. Phenomenal players in their secondary, right? Right. You know what they had up front? They had some guys getting after the quarterback too, right? right? And I think that is such a big part of it, and not to mention some really good players at linebacker. So you got to have it at every level. You really do. You have to have the performance at every level of your defense. And we were worried about the secondary. I think that's the funny thing here. We were worried about the secondary, and they haven't they haven't finished the job. I'm just saying that if three games in, if you look at it from the over overview, the 30,000-foot view of what they've done, week one, uh-uh, no, not going to get it done. But I think weeks two and three, when you throw that into the pot and you look at it in its totality, I think it's very, very acceptable. Let me and ask you I think this. they can win. I don't know if this is too premature, but I thought this last night when I was writing my story about the defense, and I've been watching this team since the 90s, and I watched the whole Peyton era and Andrew Luck and all that. Is this the first time in 25 years that the defense is is the better unit? Is the defense going to carry the Colts this year? <laughs> is it, it's, it's too premature two- to ask it, but... <laughs> the maybe, offense is but, like just doing enough to win. Like nothing special, nothing terrible. 
The defense is scoring like 18 points. <laughs> I mean, the last that's two ridiculous. Weeks. So, so the best stat in this game is the defense could have won it without any points from the offense. That is the best stat ever, right? They could have won this game if perhaps if if Philip Rivers would have taken a knee 47 times, they might have won the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's amazing. Uh, obviously, an over exaggeration. But my point remains, right? Like they. They didn't need any points from the offense. They just needed them to move the ball and have some time of possession. And the defense is like, all right, we got it from here. So that's amazing. But to your question, like, is this the the first time in a quarter century maybe that we've seen these fortunes flipped offense versus defense with the Colts? Yeah, I think so, right? I mean, look, it's a small sample size. And like Darius Leonard said last week, like, I don't care if we're leading the league in defense in in weeks one or two. What matters is if we're doing it in weeks 16 and 17. He's right. And I know they played Kirk Cousins and they played Sam Darnold yesterday. But you can see what it's supposed to look like. I mean, you can. this is the blueprint, right? And yep. it'll be fun to watch them try to do the same thing against the likes of Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers when we get into November. And they're not going to hold them to seven points or anything like that. But they're building wins, and they're stacking some confidence up. And and I think we're starting to see if the gap hasn't turned to defense, I think the gap is narrowing. And, and it took Chris Ballard a long time because when he got here, it was Andrew Luck and... I'm not sure what else. T.Y. Hilton, and then I'm not sure what else. And you're starting to see that gap close. And it was pretty one-sided, right? When you started on the beat in 13, it was like the offense ran the show. The defense just didn't try to screw it up. That's changed. And I'm starting to see that the last two weeks, and I'm really excited to see how it looks against some of the better quarterbacks in football. Yeah, and I think one final point on the defense here. I, I think the one interesting thing, or one of the interesting things, is that some of those acquisitions they made this past offseason are paying off. And... Look, I, right. again, it's very early, but the way Xavier Rhodes started, I was worried. And oh, to man. be honest... He turned that around <laughs> fast. Yeah, we weren't sure coming out of training camp because we just didn't really see much from him. And that wasn't good or bad. It was just, I don't know. It was so hard to tell. They, they didn't throw it his way a lot. They didn't and... push it down the field, right. So so we didn't know tra- coming out of training camp. I mean, it's such a small and unrealistic sample size anyway, right? It's, it's training camp. It doesn't mean anything. So I think... Going down to Jacksonville and seeing him blow a coverage, it's completely blowing a coverage where uh, he made a terrible decision and wasn't on the same page of miscommunication. That just, you know, created bigger questions. And then I thought the past two games, though, he has been really good. And he's freelanced a little bit, and I think he's going to do that. I think even the first interception, the pick six. Got away with one he, yesterday. He jumped. Yeah, he, he jumped that route, I think, on the, the first interception. But that's okay. Like... He's an instinctive player, and you have to understand that with, with Xavier. And I thought on the second interception, I'm not exactly sure what was going on there. I, I think he may have had a miscommunication with Kenny Moore. This is just the way I interpreted it, and then realized it, but recovered, which actually was really impressive <laughs> because he probably shouldn't have been able to do that, but he did, and he made the interception in the end zone. So him, I think TJ Carey being the other one, I thought that was an underrated acquisition. Really good signing. A really good signing. I mean, it's not just the pick six yesterday. He just steps in and and there's no drop off. Yeah, and it's not not just the pick six at all. Exactly. It's the fact that you have quality depth. And they've had to tap into that depth, right? They lost Marvell Tell. He opted out. 
They have lost Rakia Sin for the time being. We don't know what his status is, right? So, I mean, you're talking about a huge loss. Rakia Sin, I mean, it's their starting corner. And I think had that happened last year, that would have been a huge factor for this team. Uh, this year, they have the depth to absorb it. And that was not something that I was prepared to say until I actually saw it. So we're seeing it now. Before we go on, a quick word from DraftKings. Week three of football is in the books. Now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four. No better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week four, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet... Head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? Don't worry, if football isn't for you, DraftKings is giving all you basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code FAST, F-A-S-T, when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week four, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use the promo code FAST during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Indiana only. Profit boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Before we move on, a quick word from Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism, which I'm guilty of, or commitment, which I'm also probably guilty of, or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they will join another league, the League of Football Watchers. I joined this league a long time ago. I hope you did as well. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. So uh, let's move forward a little bit. Offensively, Zach, I, I think that if you're, if you're looking at this team from a fantasy football standpoint, you're, you're not very impressed. But I think if you actually watch this team play, you're thinking, okay, yeah. this is winning football. Yeah. Um, R- Philip Rivers. So what he's got, he's, I, I'd like to look this up. He's not in the top 10 in passing yards, nor is he in the top 10 in touchdown passes. He is, however... Number one in the NFL in completion percentage, which is the most unsexy stat in the entire world. Doesn't surprise me, though. <laughs> right? Like, like no one's putting that on their resume. I led the NFL in completion percentage. Right? Like, that's not fun. But you know what? <laughs> for this team and for where they are and what they do and how they're built, 
bring it on. I think that is exactly what they need right now. I mean, I don't know if it's as fun for you guys, but if you want to win, uh, one of the ways to win is for your quarterback not to get you beat. <laughs> and right now, that's what he's providing. Are you surprised that this is the Phillip Rivers we're seeing? Or, or did you think that this is how it might look? I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised they're not pushing the ball down the field. You know, when we talked to Nick Sirianni in the spring, he was talking about go routes with T.Y. Hilton and those 50-yard bombs. We have not mm-hmm. seen that. Now, they're still pushing the ball down the field, just not deep shots, right? And I think fans were used to that. That was sort of the bread and butter with Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. But, you know, they're developing Moelle Cox into a really, really productive pass-catching tight end. Uh, T.Y. got going yesterday. looked like himself. That's a really good sign. Let me ask you this. Is Rivers is Rivers just a game manager now? Is he a really good game manager? I, I think he's he's tending toward that territory. And I'm I'm buying what he said about that a couple of weeks ago. Someone asked him, are you you know, is that a bad? Why does the word game manager have a, a negative connotation in this league? And he's like, look, I'll be a game manager all day if we keep winning 34 to seven. Right. I, I think that's what he is. And I think he's on the better end of that because the completion percentage, like you mentioned, is extremely high. He didn't have any interceptions yesterday. They're able to score in the red zone when they want to. He's able to run the office that Frank Reich wants. I think this is exactly what this team needed considering they weren't going to go find a top five quarterback. Right. I mean, I, this, I think he's fit. I think he's fit perfectly here. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think what is interesting with Phillip Rivers is, Okay, so here's a guy who yesterday, by the way, these are incredible numbers, by the way, yesterday hit a couple of milestones that that most quarterbacks can't even fathom. Yeah. Right? He surpassed 60,000 passing yards, okay? There are only five other guys to do it, and you can name them off the top of your head because they're the best quarterbacks in freaking NFL history, okay? So, yeah, they're the Tom Brady's, the Peyton Mannings, you name it, Drew Brees, Brett Favre, Marino, and Brett Favre, list, right. right. Yeah, that end of list. And, and Rivers and had Rivers. these guys' posters on his wall growing up. He had Marino. Right. He had Favre. I mean, that that means something to him. Absolutely, and it should. He also eclipsed, or I should say reached, 400 touchdown passes. So same six guys on that list, right, who have achieved that level of success. Now, the funny thing is, though, when you talk to him about it, and I asked him about it yesterday <laughs> – he starts hemming and hawing. You know why? Because he doesn't want to talk about it. Right. <laughs> it just, it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't mean anything to him. And he admitted, he's like, no, it's extremely meaningful, but it, he's uncomfortable talking about it. He hates talking about himself. And I've rarely covered a guy who, Andrew Luck, maybe the other one, I would say, I've rarely covered a, a guy who was as uncomfortable talking about himself in these terms than Philip Rivers. He hates it. He doesn't want to do that because honestly, he really doesn't care. He cares about, like, don't get me wrong, he appreciates it and he he's respectful of the fact that, wow, I did something amazing that puts me in, in the history books. But that's not why he plays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we were talking about this last night. Uh, I think you had already left by then, but we were talking about this in the press box last night. You know, do you think that Peyton Manning was more aware of these numbers? Oh, I was you there. You better for that. believe it. Oh, right. were you? Okay, that's right. right. Like, there's no question about it, right? Neither one's right or wrong. I'm not getting, don't get me wrong here, right? Like, Peyton Manning uh, was was very aware of every milestone he ever hit, right? And and probably could tell you to this day exactly where he stands to the to the T, to down to the final number in that five figure number of yards that he threw for, right? 
<laughs> and it's great. Like he earned that. <laughs> Philip Rivers is the other side of this. It's just like, oh shucks. I just, you know, just go throw the ball around in the yard, right? And you you hear that and it sounds corny and you're like, all right, is this guy for real? Yes, he's for real. He's he actually is for real, and that was part of our conversation yesterday too. Like, are, do you yeah. buy this? Like, do you buy do. this? And, and, and I'm with you. And we've been around him enough over the last two or three or four months. We've had some long conversations with him on Zoom on the phone, and he's just the same guy every day. And I don't feel like any of it is, is a is a play. I don't think any of it is him trying to play the role. I think he's just a very simple guy. He just likes playing football. Yeah, and I think that's why he fits. And so I, I said all that, talking about the yardage and all that, I, I said all that to get to a point, which was this, that in spite of him being a guy who has achieved all of that, he is perfectly comfortable being along for the ride right now. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that is such a great quality for this team. They have, especially on offense, they have a lot of young talent. And it's great for those guys to see that. Okay, to see that the quarterback who has achieved more than they could ever dream of achieving. Okay, there's not a guy on this team, most likely, not many at least, who can ever fathom achieving the level of success Philip Rivers has, right? I mean, because how many guys do, right? And yet they can look to him as a great example of what it's like to to understand about putting yourself behind the team. And I just think that's great. I mean, that is to me. Uh, a f- different form of leadership, right? When you can say, you know what, Frank, let's hand the ball off. We're running it great. Or, you know what, if I got to check it down, we're going to run screens all day. That's fine too. And, and, you know, he's not out there, you know, lobbying the coach to throw it down the field and do these things and that. And I think that's, that's just a, a great example of what, of being what your team needs at the time they need it. That's what he is right now. Now, whether he can be more when the situation calls for it, we're going to see. That's what we cannot answer right now. Right. Can he beat can he win a game for the Colts? I think so, but I'll have to wait and see. That's what I don't know. If in a tight know. game late, can he lead him to a game-winning drive? I think so, but he didn't in week 1 and we'll have to see. But he's been perfect so far in in that regard in terms of fitting in, doing what they need from the quarterback spot, and it goes back to the point we were hitting on last week. He doesn't have to be a top 5 quarterback in the NFL. This roster is good enough. It's the roster Andrew Luck never had, and it's the roster that Phillip Rivers came here to play with. I mean, the offensive line, the running backs, the receivers, and a defense that is so much better than it's been, you know, in, in the last couple of years. So, you know, that's the beauty of it. They just they just needed to get a little bit better at quarterback from where they were last year. Not a lot better, just a little bit better. Yeah, and you you make a good point, or you you ask a good question, right? Can he? be the guy to to lead him back to a victory in a two-minute situation, for example, which you know is going to happen. Yeah. Because this is the NFL, and most games are decided by one score. You're going to have those situations. It's inevitable. So when that time comes, look, I don't know if they win. I don't know if he pulls it off. But I tell you what, I don't have a problem putting the ball in his hand in that situation. And I thought Jonathan Taylor yesterday gave such a great example of, of some of the intangibles that – that Philip Rivers brings. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, what's it like, right? He said, here you are, this rookie. You're in the huddle with Philip Rivers. This guy's been in the league 17 years. Like, you know, Jonathan Taylor's like 22. <laughs> you know, he's like five years old. He called him Mr. Drafted. Rivers the first time he mentioned him. <laughs> Which is him so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. So anyway, uh, man, what would he call me? Um, so anyway, 
here it is. He's 22 years old. You're in the huddle with Phillip Rivers. This guy's been playing almost as long as you've been alive. I'm like, what is that like? Like, what is he, what's it like to see him sort of, you know, lead and organize things? And he was, I mean, his answer was fantastic. I mean, Jonathan Taylor said, you know, he, the tips that he gives the guys in the huddle before a play are so amazing and so uh, important to their success because he sets them up for success. What he does is, he's like, hey, Watch for this. They may do this. They may mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. We may have to check to this. Be ready for that. That guy may be dropping here. This guy may do that. I mean, think about that. Now, every quarterback has that responsibility. Okay, let's be clear. However, understand something. Not every quarterback can do it at the level that Philip Rivers can. And I think he really is. I don't ever like to compare people to Peyton Manning, but he he's in that realm when it comes to uh Cerebral quarterbacks, guys who right. who foresee things right. and understanding of group. the game. I put Brady yeah. and Breeze, and that's about it. Breeze, he's in that group. He really is. Now, you know, he he doesn't have the postseason success that any of those guys have, but he certainly, I think, in terms of his his acumen and understanding of the game and and the way he sees things, he's on that level. There's no question. And 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 that's not something I've only heard from Frank Reich. I mean, you talk to people who have played with him, and I know you have too, and that is something that comes through. They all repeat the same thing. So <laughs> Nick Hardwick. That's, that's important. Nick Hardwick played center for the Chargers for 10 years. and Nick is awesome. One of Rivers' best friends. and He says he remembers multiple games in which Rivers was making calls during a play. So after the snap <laughs> – He's making checks and telling running backs where the blitz is coming, yelling on the field, telling tight ends where it's coming from, telling his center and his guard what to do. I mean, he's kind of psychotic in a way, but Peyton Manning was the same right. way. So, you know, there's a reason for The great Reich, ones are. Yeah, a couple of years ago, and I guarantee you Brady's done the same kind of thing. There's a reason Frank Reich called Phillip the smartest player he's ever been around a couple of years ago when they were with the Chargers. Like, he's like, I knew he was yeah. a great competitor. Before I got to San Diego, I didn't know he was like one of the top 10 smartest guys in the league. And, and I think he's at the top. These are Frank's words. And Frank doesn't say things like that, like lightly. He doesn't just, you know, throw out hyperbole. So um, that's important. And I think all that plays into what you're getting from the Colts so far this season. There have been some bad interceptions. Yes. Um, but the offense is doing plenty right now. And you're starting to see Rivers really get them into good situations. Like, look at how open Moelle Cox was on so many of his catches yesterday. T.Y., finding a spot in that zone. I mean, it's just it's just working well. And, and you did not see this in December last year. You didn't see this in November last year. That's not necessarily a shot at Jacoby Brissett, but you can objectively say, at least from my seat, the Colts offense looks much better than it did a year ago. Yeah, and, you know, I think that there's still some things for them to work through. Uh, I am thoroughly dissatisfied honestly with the red zone play they, they have to pick that up that is not going to be sustainable because look I, I know the score looks great but certainly as you said the defense scored 16 points right, right. so you're not going to be able to you're certainly not getting that every week so the the, the offense is going to have to convert in the red zone uh, that has been a recurring sticking point for them that has to get better I think the running game it's okay it's fine but I think it could I guess I was expecting a little more splash, and it, look, it's hard right now, right? Without Marlon Mack, I think 
those players are going to be harder to come by. Jonathan Taylor's feeling his way. Look, yeah. he finished with 4.5 yards per carry. I mean, that's a great day in the NFL, honestly. But, you know, I, I think there's more there for him. Okay, he, he, can, he can do more, especially against a defense like the Jets. But he's growing, so give him time, and, and I think we'll have to figure that out, or he will have to continue to figure it out. But, but I think he needs time. It'll get better as the season progresses. I think the passing game as well will continue to get better as these guys continue to learn each other. There's still only a couple months into this, right, in terms of the start of training camp to now. Not even. No. It, they're, they're not, they've been on the field for, like, at this point, not even two months together. So, you know, still pretty early. The other thing, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention this, uh, any concern about the kicking game right now? He's a rookie. Um, mm-hmm. He hasn't been perfect. Cling two off the uprights. Um, I think the extra point, too, was, was a bank yesterday. Yeah. Um, it's better than it was last year. <laughs> okay. I think, I Does think that, that make you feel better? <laughs> I think that's all I got. <laughs> so I'll give you my two cents. I just think that – I agree with you. He's a rookie. I'll give you – I think if you put if you want perfection outside of Justin Tucker, you're just not going to get it in this league. And he's a rookie, and he's going to make mm-hmm. mistakes, and it's going to get tougher when he goes on the road. It will outdoors next week on the road. Uh, the one thing I would say is he's got to. Uh, well, there's a couple things I'd say. Number one, number one is don't don't hover over him. Don't put pressure on him right now because that's not what he needs. Right. That's that's not going to help him right now. I think that would probably be counterproductive. That's the one thing I'd say. The second thing I would say is, on, at the same time, there's not an infinite amount of rope, right? And so he's using a little bit of rope right now. Yeah. And you just got to keep watching it. And it's a matter of, it's about consistency. So if you continue to lack consistency, then we need to have a conversation about what the next step is. But I think right now it's too early to, to necessarily take any steps. But at the same time, uh, this can't just be ignored, I think. So so we'll see. Uh, what He's got, what, two missed field goals? He, he missed yesterday from 41, I believe, and missed in week one a, what, 30-yarder, I believe? 30. So, yeah. So, you know, I think in the NFL, that's cause for alarm. And then, as you said, the extra point off the upright, never a good thing there. So we'll see. Something to watch. And again, that goes to what we said earlier. They are not a perfect team. They have work to do. Uh, they will be tested and tested thoroughly in the coming weeks. Um, to be honest, next week won't be easy. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, even though I know we, it's easy to scoff at the Chicago Bears, but listen, you, you know, they're 3-0 and and they've found a way to win. And that's what it boils down to in this league. And then you got to go to Cleveland. And you know what? They've got a lot of firepower. And they're regardless playing better. Regardless of what you think of that team. I, they're, they're winning games. They're above 500. Yeah, there's no easy there's no easy outs okay in this league except maybe the Jets but that's it <laughs> so so anyway uh, you know it is what it is right I think Bob Kravitz put it best in his column today you know we don't know a lot about this team but we think they're good and we think they have a future this season but time will tell and I think that's a very fair depiction of where they're at they've done nothing um, to dissuade us from thinking they could be. A really good team. And I know I watched the Jacksonville right. game. It wasn't encouraging. Maybe it was kind of like a preseason fluke. Maybe it wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. I think they won't look as good as when we start to see them play real teams as, as opposed to what the Jets were yesterday. But they've done nothing to dissuade me from thinking they can win the division and, and be a playoff team. 
Um, they could be maybe more than that. We'll see. But um, I'm excited to see the next couple games and the next stretch because they're going to have to get. I mean, if you want to really put yourself in a good position, you got to win the next couple because it gets a lot tougher in November and December. No question about it. So, anyhow, thank you for listening. Uh, that's the episode for today. We're back later in the week with the look ahead uh, to the Chicago game. So, look, man, Colts got a chance to go to three and one. We'll talk about that later in the week. Stay tuned to the Athletic for more coverage. Uh, lots of good stuff in store this week, and uh, we'll talk to you later this week. Thanks for listening to One Percent Better.